0: How many people do you know that approach a conversation, though, as if it were a competition? It goes something like this, you know, when when a person pauses, then you jump in with your thoughts, right? And when you pause, boom, I jump back in so I can top your story, hijack the conversation back to my side, right? It's kind of like a fight for control. Have you ever felt that way? I'm not talking about casual conversations, but when you really, you're trying to make a point, you're trying to uh, suggest a new way of doing things, you're trying to help change occur, maybe you're addressing pain or sickness or whatever, and I want to suggest your conversations and therefore relationships will go smoother and more successful if you remember that every line of a conversation, every sentence in a conversation has a history. It has a backstory attached to it. Have you ever thought about that? No one is speaking out of a vacuum. They're speaking out of their story, out of their experience. We're going to have to get better at practicing deliberate listening skills to understand their history better, that story better, right? So we can understand the person and what they're trying to communicate. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple podcast where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. 2021. Hard to believe it happy new year. I hope things are kicking off well for you. I hope you're recovering from all the holidays and uh, you know we're not as young as we used to be so hope your New Year's Eve was fun and uh, but not too you know, too harmful to your body or head or whatever. I don't know what you do. Um, I remember when New Year's Eve was kind of a big deal, like to go out and hang out and party and, you know, be with friends and do all that. In fact, years ago, that was a big night for when I was a musician. We'd always be playing out on that night. Um, But now, you know, getting a little bit older and kids are raised and all, uh, we find ourselves uh, pretty much, well, doing what we did last night. We were actually, uh, or I mean, <laughs> on New Year's Eve a couple days ago watching uh, our granddaughter. She spent the night, so and she's only like uh, just coming up on a year. So yeah, not a whole lot of frivolity or craziness, <laughs> but did make it to New Year's. So how about you? Hope you had a good one. Hope you're looking forward to the new year. Have you made any resolutions or big goals for the year? I've got some, I'm still kind of working out the details, but I don't know. I think this might be the best year ever. <laughs> what about you? Are you Are you excited? Are you looking forward to it? As we are hopefully, you know, moving beyond sort of lockdowns and social distancing and all that and some of the fears connected to the pandemic and all, I I, I hope you are looking forward to God's best and his biggest grace in the year ahead. I think it's going to be an amazing year. I really do. By the way, here's something I'm looking forward to. We are going to be doing the Everyday Disciple Challenge the Future Church Edition, starting January 18th. If you've never been a part, or maybe you have, but if you've yet to be a part of one of our challenges, they're four days long, and we do about 40, 45 minutes of training live on Facebook uh, every day for four days. And um, what we're going to be talking about, like I said, it's the Future Church Edition. We're going to be talking about being and making disciples in everyday life as the church is now heading into the future, kind of a new Normal, if you will. I'm kind of getting tired of that term, right? But I want you to join me for that. I'm just opening up the registration for the challenge and workshop. And I tell you, if you've never done one yet, it is packed and there's homework and we give out prizes. And you're going to learn the exact steps we use when we're coaching people, when we're in community making disciples. And, and I'm going to get you started. And there'll be a little homework each day where you'll get to go, Oh, I got to try that wow, this really does work. I think you're going to be super encouraged. So there again, please join me. It starts January 18th, but go and register now while there's spaces, everydaydisciple.com forward slash challenge, and you can register right now. everydaydisciple.com forward slash challenge, and you can register right now. Before we get started today, I want to invite you to join us on Facebook, right? We've got a group there, the Everyday Disciple podcast group, and uh, that's your place where you can kind of best get in touch with me, get a hold of me. Uh, Tina's part of that. I mean, Lots of people are. There's thousands of folks in there. It's also where we'll be doing the Everyday Disciple challenge that's coming up, so you'll be having to join that anyway to get you know, to the live trainings and all that and replays and all that stuff. So would you go ahead and and just, I'd really love it if you'd join us over there. Go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook Yeah, that's all you got to do or search it up or whatever, okay? So slash challenge to register for the challenge slash Facebook, take you right to our page. Okay, well, I want to get into today's discussion and talk. Let me ask you, have you ever felt like you've been misunderstood or misinterpreted by someone? Do you sometimes misunderstand the signals and words that you've received? Think about people at work or in ministry, your spouse, your kids, your parents, Ever feel like you're just misunderstood? See, for me, communication is sort of my thing, right? It's really what I do in life. It's always been a big part of my life and every different little iteration of what God's had me doing. And that's really what I still do, right? Here I am talking on a podcast, and we're doing live videos and training and coaching. Um, and you know what? It's what we all do in pretty much every human interaction we have every day. Think about it. How many people do you know that approach a conversation, though, as if it were a competition? You know, it goes something like this, you know, when when a person pauses, then you jump in with your thoughts, right? And when you pause, you know, boom, I jump back in so I can top your story, hijack the conversation back to my side. Right, it's kind of like a fight for control. Have You ever felt that way? I'm not talking about casual conversations, but when you really, you're trying to make a point, you're trying to uh, suggest a new way of doing things, you're trying to help change occur. Maybe you're addressing pain or sickness or whatever. And I want to suggest your conversations and therefore relationships will go smoother and more successful if you remember that every, like every line of a conversation, every sentence in a conversation has a history. It has a backstory attached to it. Have you ever thought about that? No one is speaking out of a vacuum. They're speaking out of their story, right, out of their experience. And we're going to have to get better at practicing deliberate listening skills to understand their history better, that story better, right, so we can understand the person and what they're trying to communicate. S- see, like normally we don't think that. We just kind of we're going in for the win, or to get our point across, or to be efficient and get it over with or whatever, right? Now, here's something to think about. The human brain can process somewhere between, uh, I've read different things, but somewhere between 350 and 550 words a minute, while most people usually only speak around 120 words a minute, okay? So in virtually every conversation or exchange of communication, both sides, your, the, your brains has room for an extra 230 to 370 extra words of thought floating around in there, right? And that gives our minds plenty of chance to drift off and wander and, you know, n- doesn't seem like we're paying good attention, even though we might be, they might think we are, right? Whether we're the one speaking or listening. You, you ever feel like that? Like someone gets done speaking and you don't even remember half of what they said? Or yourself, you ever say, like, and I got done with that? I don't remember what I said. That's because your brain is still processing at its at its maximum speed and it's thinking about other stuff at the same time often or what are they going to respond or what are, what are they thinking of that or whatever. It's so easy to slide into the basic communication pitfall of drifting away from the person who's speaking, often thinking about what we're going to say next rather than being focused on what we're communicating or what's being said to us. Maybe that's even more important. I've recently been diving into a pretty cool book that's helping me with all of this, even though I've studied communication for a long time and I still do. So when I see a a book that comes highly recommended like this one, I'm like, I got to dive in. So this one's called Communication Skills Training. (laughs) That's pretty basic, right? How to talk to anyone, connect effortlessly, develop charisma, and become a better person. Whoa, big claims. (laughs) But I need some of that, all right? I really do. And I wanted to share some of my learning and hopefully bring a little gospel perspective to some of the stuff this book's been teaching me about communication. And not just the book, but it's helped me kind of organize my thoughts, right? And by the way, I'll put a link to this book in my show notes for this episode at everydaydisciple.com, all right? So I'll put a link so you can just go, what was that called again? You'll be able to find it right away. According to the author of the book, James Williams, many people don't realize the impact that, really successful two-way conversations can have on their daily lives. While most of us probably feel pretty comfortable, at least at some level, speaking to others, a lot of people don't understand the importance of actively listening in a conversation. We'll talk a lot about active listening here. You might be surprised to find out that the ability to process information being directed at you is just as important as clearly communicating your thoughts and ideas and what you got going on. Okay. But here's the thing. Listening alone is is not enough. You also have to do it in an empathetic way and an attentive manner in order to carry on the conversation. Here's a quote from Williams in the book. He says, surprisingly, one of the most important tools that you need to develop in your communication skills is not your mouth. It is those two things on either side of your head. I've heard stuff like this before. You probably have too. You've probably heard something similar to this, right? But I really do believe it's true. The most basic explanation I found of active listening is that it's the kind of listening that involves the use of one's full concentration, but there's also motives behind it. The goal of this type of listening is to understand the person delivering the message. And I want to suggest right at the top here that our goal be to communicate from a place of seeking to bless others so as to model the way God loves and communicates with us. Wouldn't that be a great heart posture when we're going into conversations, be it just normal ones, or especially when they're important or maybe a little more sensitive? Active listening is a skill which you're going to have to develop over time. That's at least what I've found out and what's worked for me. I've been kind of studying active listening probably 20, 25 years, most often applied to my marriage, it seems, (laughs) but learning to do it in ministry and in coaching and other things as well, okay? Now, I want to help you do this, and so kind of try to kind of cull together 10 steps from within the book um, to help make you uh, an active and effective listener and communicator when you're having these types of conversations, all right? Here we go. Number one, keep eye contact. When you talk to a person, and you're trying to like avoid meeting their eyes this is a telltale sign that you're not giving the conversation your full attention or there's some sort of fear there or you know fear of man or something right when a person's speaking to you stay focused on your gaze like what you're doing right to lock your attention to the conversation at hand and i and and part of that is avoiding interruptions making sure you're you know in a space and time that's appropriate for the level of conversation you're trying to have don't be looking at your phone or texts or your watch right Keep eye contact some of the most effective like personal you know one-to-one communicators or you know people who lead that I've ever worked with they do this they make really consistent like sincere eye contact when they're communicating. So that's the first one. second one is relax. Yeah relax. there's a difference between making eye contact, and staring at a person, like I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to do this. We've been recently doing stare down down contests with our grandson. Um, But as a family, like at dinner, family dinner nights, it is so funny, do you remember when you were a kid, like who can look at each other the longest without smiling or without blinking or whatever? We've laughed our guts out. That's not what you're trying to do, okay? You're not trying to win a stare down contest. The goal is to maintain focus while tuning out all other distractions, okay? And I want to suggest too, when you're relaxing, Think about your body language, your own, right? If you're sitting there in a conversation and you're not even aware of it maybe uh, often, but you've got your arms closed, that's like a really common body language thing where you're signaling, I'm closed off. I'm not really wanting to change my opinion. I have some fear or trepidation connected to this, right? And a lot of people do and go like, well, that's just how I sit. But they've shown through like all kinds of studies, it's not communicating openness. And please, I want to hear right? Maybe um, you've heard of the RBF. I'm not going to say what it is. It's the resting <laughs> face. We call it the angry resting face. Uh, I remember years ago, uh, a buddy of mine, and he's a national speaker and all that. He said, when I'm sitting and I'm not speaking, like say at a, you know, a church service or something, and I'm getting ready to go up and speak or at a conference or whatever, he says, I have like an angry resting face. And this has been pointed out to me. People look at me and go, you look so ticked off right before you went up there. What was going on, bro? I was praying for you. And he goes, no, that's just the way my face looks. And I started paying attention to that in my own life, you know? And now, I, and I had to talk to my wife about this as well. She kind of has an angry resting face. Um, like, like when you're having a conversation, be aware of your body language, your face, your posture, right? Attentiveness, stuff like that. It's really important. It'll take some Practice like anything. It really, really will. Okay, third, keep an open mind. Yeah, keep an open mind going into conversations. You you might have an agenda and you might be the leader, so you're trying to move things a certain way. But if it's in normal everyday life, like with your spouse, kids, people in your community that you're leading, discipling, right? You for sure want to keep an open mind. Remember, you're not a mind reader, okay? And so things like engaging in mental criticisms while the conversation's going on, You know, with the conversation you're having, you're kind of like, oh, you're tearing it apart. You're you're building your case. You're like, oh, man, you know, like, right, it's mental criticism. That's going to impede your ability to effectively listen to the other person. You've got to listen without making any, like, hasty conclusions or judging their opinion or their motives in their heart, right? 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, resist the temptation to pronounce premature judgment on anything, before the appointed time when all will be fully revealed. That means, like, never do that, because that's coming. Instead, it says, wait until the Lord makes his appearance, right? So we're not to pass judgment on people's motives. It says, because when he comes, he'll bring all that is hidden in darkness to light and unveil every secret motive of everyone's heart. Then the whole truth will be known. Yeah. See, so we do this all the time. It's kind of like internal gossip in a sense. We sit there listening to another person and we're just sort of tearing them down, tearing down their argument, thinking our thoughts. What do I want to say? How am I going to win? What do they, you know, right? And we pass judgment on their motives or their heart. Ah, they're just lazy. Or she just doesn't want to, you know, be a team player. Or, he, you know, he's not, right? Uh, and that's not good. It doesn't help. But here in 1 Corinthians, Apostle Paul is saying, don't do that. Resist the temptation to pronounce judgment on people and their motives. Okay, number four. Um, try to visualize what the other person's saying, right? That's number step number four is like visualize. The best way to retain what they're saying and process information in your brain is to convert that information into like little mental images of sorts, okay? And that could be a sequence of little abstract things, forming a narrative, or even an actual mental picture. In other words, try to get into and visualize their story and position. Don't just listen to it, but try to visualize it. Like, what are they feeling? What are they going through? What's happened in the past? Like, take cues from what they're actually saying and and try to visualize yourself, right, there? Okay. Number five, avoid interjections, right? Because when you interrupt a person, like when they're talking, and boy, I'm I'm guilty of this. My wife's always saying, like, God, oh, stop interrupting. Cause I, I'm so afraid, and this is just selfishness and fear. I'm so afraid in the middle of someone really making, you know, like their statement or their position known or whatever, their opinion or whatever. I'm so afraid that I'm gonna forget stuff. It's really that I think. I've kind of analyzed my heart in this that I I just I jump in right now to say it. And that interjection conveys messages of self importance or hey time is pressing, right? time's urgent here or that my agenda or positions what's really important to me. Okay? So, what you have to understand is that people think and feel at different paces. And so let a person talk. Like even though you might have a ability to be very concise and just say what you need to say. And so you're just like, I know where I know where they're going. I'm just going to interject it. There again, that's kind of judging their motives. And I've been, I've been sort of called out on this too. Like you jumped in and you, you just sort of, you know, interjected and you interrupted them like two or three times. Like, yeah, but I knew where they were going. So I just went there. Now, right or wrong, it's kind of disrespectful. And it's not going to help, right? Remember, the goal is is like good communication, effective communication, the building of relationships, communicating in a way that we bless others and we show them what God's like. That's the goal, right? Okay, Number six, uh, the authors call this "Wait for the stop." Okay? Wait for the stop. So a stop in the conversation happens when the person you're listening to doesn't add anything else after a second or so of not talking. And I know that can seem like a long time, okay? But once the stop has occurred, then you can present your response, right? So that's hard. And this is part of active listening. And if you're just waiting to talk, waiting to talk, you're going to be like churning. You really have to put these first five, you know, <laughs> into practice. But wait for the stop. You're going to be really surprised. This is a hard one to practice. But when you practice that, letting a person fit And don't say stuff like, are you finished? Are you? Can I speak now? Like, let them go. It's okay. If you if you sense like I, I I've forgotten half of what I wanted to say, then then you might momentarily say, "Would it be okay if I just took a couple notes?" Because I don't want to interrupt you. And I just want to you know get my thoughts down and make sure I'm hearing you clearly, and then let them go. Right. So and by the way, here's like a little thing I've learned: avoid the word "why." Like so, when a person's done, it's like, "Well, why do you feel that way?" Or "Why is that?" Or "Why didn't you do that?" Or "Why do you think we need to do that?" I've just found the word "why" sort of puts a person back on their heels right at the get-go. Instead of saying, you know, why do you want to do it that way? You know, th- that sounds so negative. Right? <laughs> just even saying it, say what leads you to see that 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 would be a good way to do that, or what what leads you to think that this is what's happening, or you know, like what has led you to, or what has kept you from doing that? first is why didn't you do that, right? And even if you say it slow, why didn't you do that? It doesn't sound as good as. Help me understand what, is, what has kept you from being able to accomplish that. There's just a difference. So I try my best to avoid avoid the word why, and maybe that'll be helpful for you as well. All right, number seven, maintain the course of the conversation. Sometimes the things that we say right after a person's done talking have more often than not nothing to do with the topic, okay? And it's kind of easy to derail an entire conversation this way resist the urge to speak about unrelated stuff, okay? Even if you see some personal connection or you had a memory attached to it or whatever, I'm kind of an external thinker. So when a person's talking and I come up with like something I'm thinking, I, I feel like I have to say it. So if I like, oh, that's crazy. I remember one time when I was a kid and the snake jumped out of the, like I, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna say it. It's, it's maintain the course. Sometimes that's adventures in missing the point, or we call them rabbit trails. Um, others might do it. Try your best to, to maintain course and not do that, okay? Here's number eight. Uh, take a walk in their shoes. Learn to synchronize your emotions with that of the speakers, okay? Make your reactions visible through the words you say and the expressions you show. So if a person's very, very upset then show that level of concern. Don't, don't have a blank stare like I'm like impervious to the fact that you're really, really feeling this and have a strong emotion attached. Or if they're lighthearted and you look mean and ticked off about it, they're like, what is going on here? Then be lighthearted, right? Like take a walk in their shoes. Try to, try to mirror the level of emotionality that the other person's expressing. Remember that, that could be words and actions and stuff. Um, number nine, Give feedback. It's not enough that you uh, are just working on this listening and you see things from that person's perspective or understand what they're feeling. You have to visibly and verbally confirm to the speaker that you're listening by restating back to them what you believe they've just said before you respond. And I find this is really doesn't come naturally to me. That's hard. So maybe maybe you've had some training in in this before um in you know, like uh, active listening. I, when we do marriage counseling, it's one of the things. Or pre-marriage counseling, we teach active listening. One of the things is like, okay, so what I think I've heard you say is this. Or if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, you you're feeling this, and that seems so corny, and so overstated. But I've never found a time when someone does that to me that I don't feel like listened to and loved. Where I can go, yeah, exactly. Or well, it's not that I'm angry. It's this, right? So I can clarify. Or it could, it could, might not be emotional stuff. It could be facts too. So what you're you're saying is, if we can do this eight times, eight weeks in a row. Now I'm not thinking it's necessarily going to take that long, but it could be that you know. So by restating back before you respond, you not only honor the person, bless them, show them that you really were listening. By the way, you have to have done all these (laughs) first eight to get to nine to be able to do that. Uh, But it also means that your response now can be accurate. Okay. Now number ten is pay attention to what isn't said. Remember a little while ago, I was talking about your own body language in the sense of, like, don't cross your arms and don't have an angry resting face? Well, most of the direct forms of communication that you're going to regularly encounter are going to be nonverbal. Maybe you know that. I think we all know it. I forget it. Studies have shown us that a whopping 93% of human communication is nonverbal. Like, I don't want to believe it, right? But it's only 7% that comes from the words we're saying. And this has been studied a lot. So nonverbal communication refers to gestures, facial expressions, person's tone of voice, eye contact or lack thereof, you know, they're just staring at their shoes, um, their body language, posture, and other ways, too, that people communicate without using language, okay? It's up to you, like, to own the responsibility to be picking up on others' nonverbal clues. And I'll say, as I've studied this a while, unless you're picking up on the other 93%, at least a little, and you're only really hearing their words, you're kind of in a debate class, right? <laughs> you're, like, in a debate, that's, what, that's how conversation, especially when it's sensitive or confrontational, it's really that. And, and you'll, you'll probably have to practice this, but paying attention to the other 93%, the nonverbals, will change how you're communicating and how the other person's receiving it in, in profound ways. It really, really is. And again, it's up to you to pick up on those nonverbal clues. Now, here are some ways that the author Williams suggests to put all of this into practice and start improving your relationships and your communication right away. And I'd say and your leadership, right? Be it parenting or at a church or in a community or whatever. So uh, right away, set aside an hour of time to kind of look through and use these 10 steps that I just shared as a self-check on your current active listening skills, okay? so So first off, write each of the 10 steps down. Or tell you what, you can print them off. I'm going to make them part of this week's big three download. Okay, so get all 10 of those steps. Next, thinking back over your past week, briefly like write out some words or phrases that demonstrate when you did or did not use one of these 10 steps or characteristics in a conversation. And your goal should be to have at least one example, positive or negative, for each of the 10 steps. Now, you're not going to do this unless you're serious about communication or you find yourself in a relationship where there's miscommunication and you've been misunderstood a lot. But if you have, this is be proactive. I want to encourage you, okay? Then review your list of what you did you know, and didn't do in each of the 10 categories and circle up to three of those steps that you did not do so well and you didn't practice. And then choose one and kind of brainstorm how you'll improve in this area in your conversation over the next week or so. Okay, you're not pouring cement. You're trying to become more self-aware and try some new things, all right? Um, and, and then at the end of the week, uh, pull that sheet out again and reflect on how you think you did on those those three areas, all right? Then repeat the last step for a couple more weeks in a row, right? And and see, you know, if you're improving anything, any of the listed characteristics that need improving, how are they going? Chances are just bringing the awareness to them and then saying, I'm going to really try to practice this, you know, in my, in my you know, communications in the week ahead, you're going to be doing better, okay? By the way, this exercise can easily be adapted for use in your team meetings as well. So you might want to listen to this podcast with you know, some team members and then print that list off and say, how can we be communicating with each other more effectively and showing love and grace? Okay. As always, I want to leave you with sort of the big three takeaways from this this discussion today on our active listening and communicating effectively. And if nothing else, you're not going to want to miss these. And by the way, as always, you can get this as a printable PDF, and I'm going to include that full list of 10 steps. You can get that as a free download. All you have to do is go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three, B-I-G the number three. All right? Now, Before I forget and before I get to the big three, I just want to one more time invite you to join me in the Everyday Disciple Challenge Future Church Edition, okay? It's coming up January 18th. We're talking about being and making disciples of Jesus as the church heads into the future, into our new normal, and that's going to start at 11 a.m., on Monday the 18th, uh, please register and and join me for this. You have to because it's in a private group and and you won't get the links and everything you need. So you'll need to register. Um, Go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash challenge and you can register right now. All right, here's the big three for the week. Number one, don't approach conversations, especially sensitive ones, with the mindset of winning or trying to control the outcome. Stay focused on what the other person's saying their body language, things like that, and seek to avoid outside distractions. Remembering that 93% of their communication is nonverbal. Pay attention to both their nonverbals and your own, because it's two-way, right? Communication's two-way. Okay, number two, when we communicate from a place of seeking to bless others, we model the way that God loves and communicates with us. Think about that. And I, I was thinking back and like, I've always been struck by the fact that right after Adam and Eve rebelled against God in the garden, we see this in Genesis, he goes looking for them and what does he bust them, attack them? No, he's asking them questions. Where are you? Why are you hiding? Who told you you were naked, right? And he does the same thing with their son Cain right after he murders his brother Abel in a later narrative, Yeah. He's asking them questions. Where's your brother? Didn't I, you know, right? So in both these examples, we see that God goes after the heart in a conversation or with people. He's more concerned with their unbelief than their actions that that unbelief produced. And he's not trying to control or limit their choice. So we can let our heart posture be the same in the conversations we're having. And number three, Set aside time right away to use the 10 steps I just shared as a self-check on your active listening skills, right? I was just explaining that. Review the list, circle up to three steps that you didn't practice very well this past week, choose one and brainstorm how you'll improve in this area of your conversations. And again, I'm gonna include that full list, you know, in you know, in the big three, right? So if you get that download, everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Not only will you get this big three written out, but you'll get that full 10 as well. I'm also going to put that book link for this book if you want to go deeper into this in the show notes, and I'll probably throw that on the bottom of the big three as well. And don't forget to register for the upcoming Everyday Disciple Challenge starting January 18th, right? Uh, I really want you in that. You're going to love it. And it's going to be all tweaked. All these four trainings will be how we're making disciples in everyday life, but they're going to be very much adapted and tweaked to what we're experiencing now because things have changed. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash challenge, and you can register right away. All right, that's about it for today. I hope that was enjoyable. I hope that was encouraging, gives you some stuff to work on as we improve our communication skills, a lot of relational change will start to happen. And so does movement and change and all that. So um, let me invite you to join me back here next week. We're going to be talking about emerging trends for the church in transition. Because, yeah, I don't think we're going back. I don't think things are just going to... Someone asked me recently, you think the church just going to, you know, another month or two or a few months just kind of go back to what we were doing? I really don't think for a very large percentage of the church is going back. So there's new trends, though, that we're already seeing And uh, that's what we're going to talk about. All right. I think you're going to really enjoy that. Hope you'll join me. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.